chapter 4, verse 13. You can read it on the screen or it's in you version or in your Bibles. Here's a goal until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. Now here is a peculiar phrase, but I want you to meditate on it not only this morning, but throughout today, throughout this week. Growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Now, if you were doing your Bible reading, you may read over that kind of fast. You know, it kind of blends together. But the second half of this slide, or in your Bible, if you're looking there, growing into a mature man, we're, be, we're called as God's body, as a congregation, to grow into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. A, a height measured by Christ's fullness. The title of this teaching today is, What is Maturity? What is maturity? And I think that scripture is going to give us some revelation on that. My grandparents grew up, uh, my grandparents had a home uh, just about a half hour from where I grew up in Dallas. And we would go there about every other Sunday afternoon for lunch. And it was kind of a neat house with a lot of character. There were a lot of places to explore. I remember as a really young child going down into the basement to a particular closet. And inside that closet of a home my grandparents had owned for decades were some Crayola marks that both my uncle and my dad had used to measure their height. And so they, they had a mark and it said Richard or Walter and it said a particular height at age three and age five and age seven. And so in those early years, uh, I would sneak down there, not that I wasn't supposed to be there, but I thought I was being sneaky. I would go down there and I would measure myself against uh, my dad and my uncle and, and think, am I taller than my dad at this age? Am I shorter than my dad? And that became my standard. I thought, well, if I, if I measure up to that old Crayola marker, that's a good standard. Well, eventually I passed all those standards and that wasn't as important to me. But something became very important to me. Uh, my parents had... For, for me and my older brother and older sister, Six Flags season passes. And for $60 a kid, that was childcare throughout the summer. That was a wonderful deal for parents. They'd drop us off or sometimes they would take us and we would do all the different rides. But not unlike today, at the beginning of each line, uh, there was something that indicated this. In order to ride, you must be this tall. And they would put a measurement down. Can I tell you, those signs were sources of shame for my life for many, many years because I didn't measure up. My brother and sister and cousin would go through the line. I'd have to wait at the end in humiliation. And I thought if I could only, only get taller than the Six Flags standard, then life would be perfect, right? Well, I got there and I passed that up. And then there was my mom. And I thought, if I could be taller than my mom, wouldn't that be a cool thing to be taller than one of your parents? We're going through that in my house right now, that my 12-year-old Luke has surpassed Beth in height. That's not a hard thing to do, but he did it anyway. <laughs> and, and that's fun for him, and it's depressing for her, but it's a, a, a kind of a mark of maturation, 
that he's taller than his mom. And I remember going through that too. Eventually I got to be taller than my mom. Then in high school, I was playing football and I had aspirations to be a major college football player. I thought, boy, wouldn't it be great to play for Texas or TCU or, or, or a great team like that? And I remember my sophomore year when those colleges started to inquire about us as players and we would fill out paperwork and I would write on there, six foot one. I remember, remember thinking, I, I, I have to get to six three or six four. If I can get there uh, for the position that I played, I played defensive end, I, I need to get to six three or six four. Maybe next year I'll be able to change my measurement and write down something. Well, that day never came and I've stayed at six foot one. And so instead of the NCAA, I went to something called the NAIA. Some of you may know about that. And that's for football players who aren't fast or aren't tall. And so that was me. (laughs) So that became my standard. So here's the deal. In life, we have a different standard that determines how we want to grow. As a toddler, it was crayon marks in a closet. You know, as an elementary kid, it was a Six Flags qualification for a ride. As a junior high student, it's being taller than my mom. As a high school student, it was this arbitrary six foot three or six foot four. But that measurement determined how I felt about myself and, and what some of my standards were. So whatever we're measuring ourselves against determines who we want to be. Now, here is what I want to give to you today. I want to give to you two false measurements that we use and one accurate measurement. And here's the first false measurement we use, and that is the culture measure. That we erroneously believe that if we're doing better than the rest of culture, then things must be okay in our lives. Now, what is culture? It's a word that we throw around a lot, and sometimes we, we, we can feel what it means, but we can't define what it means. Culture is the attitudes of a group of people. There's a lot of different definitions, but let's say here at the Church of Indian Lake, there's a certain culture and we determine kind of the attitude, um, hopefully it's an attitude of love and openness and friendliness and, and we could go on and on, but it's, we create a culture. Another more incomplete definition that may help us is culture is the space between us. So we're individuals and we individually make some level of self-determination and uh, we have an expression of our personality, but the space between us is our culture. And so we as Americans, let's look at the wider culture, are we as human citizens alive in 2014, there's a culture, there's space between us, there's attitudes that the majority believe in together. You may not agree with those, but we're somewhat affected by those. And we are incorrect when we think, well, I'm doing better than the rest of culture. I mean, I I have have a better morality than those around me. We we think I I pray more than most people. I, I get involved in mission work or in helping my neighbors more than other neighbors on my on my street or in my community. And can I just say that's the wrong standard? Here's the reason why. Because culture is fluid. Culture's always changing. It has 
very little stability. Culture changes rapidly. And we can see that. Even those of you who are younger uh, in your adolescence or teenage years, if you really, if you really evaluate long enough, you, you'll see that culture has changed just in your short lifetime. Culture is unreliable. And so if we're using culture as our standard, the standard may be too low. If we're using culture as our standard, we may be limiting ourselves. If we use culture as our standard, we may not be doing as well as we think because culture is fluid, culture changes. And that's why you've done a great thing by being at church today. Because we hope and believe that through the scripture and through the gathering of God's chosen people, that there is a standard that doesn't change, that doesn't drift, that doesn't shift on sand, but it's on a rock. It's a standard that you can rely on when everything else in your life is in a state of instability. And that is the nature of who God is revealed through the scripture. Listen, that's our rock. That's our standard. And, and if we're always just comparing ourselves to culture, Man, way too small of a standard. Now, what kids do with this whole height issue, and you know this, it's almost irresistible for elementary kids to do, is they stand back to back and they compare height with one another. Here's the second erroneous standard that we have, and that is the comparison measure. Comparing ourselves to someone else. Can I just remind you of something that Comparison has very little value. And spiritually, I would even suggest comparison has negative value. If I compare myself to Sid, I'm either going to have pride because I'm better than Sid, especially in jogging. I can jog a lot further than you. If you know him, that is very laughable. Or I can have inferiority and discontentment because I compare myself to Sid. Wrong standard. But we do that. That's our intuition. That's our go-to. We, we compare as a faith community, let's compare this church with another church across town. Let's compare this church with a church we were part of at another time. Let's compare where we are at age 27 or 39 or 52 compared to someone else who's that same age. Uh, let's compare where our kids are compared to our brother or sister's kids. And I suppose that if we thought about it long enough that there is limited value in that. So I don't wanna say that's always evil but I do believe that when it's our primary and it's our major motivator and it's our major measurement, I know it's a wrong measurement. It's a wrong measurement. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it's a, another kind of wordy scripture. But Paul addresses this when there was some comparison going on in the church. He says in verse 9, I'm not trying to frighten you by my letters. Verse 10. For some say Paul's letters are demanding and forceful, but in person he is weak and his speeches are worthless. So Paul gets some criticism. We, all, we are always saying, Paul, the great leader of the church. And some people didn't like Paul when he was ministering. They probably thought Peter's more entertaining as a preacher. 
or John's more loving as a preacher, or Apollos, he is more dynamic. And Paul, he really writes good books, but he's no fun to listen to when he lectures. That's basically what's happening there. So that, that's a temptation we have to do this comparison game with Christian personalities. Now, going on, and I'm not unfolding the whole argument, but we're going somewhere. It says, those people should realize that our actions when we, when, when we alive in person will be as forceful as what uh, we say in our letters from far away. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who are telling you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How ignorant. A lot is happening in the scripture, but for our purposes this morning, this last slide at the end of verse 12 is what I want you to focus on, this danger and trap of comparison. They're only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How ignorant. And so with us, when we fall into the common trap that I fall into on a regular basis, but with maturity, I'm hoping to do less and less of. We compare ourselves with someone else and, and it's a faulty measurement. It's a faulty measure. It's not complete. It's not the measure God wants us to have. So what is the measure God wants us to have? Here's the last thing. Christ is the measure. Now, if you've kind of drifted off or fallen asleep during this message, tune back in now because here is the premise of the message. Just in, in, in one, one statement is this. Maturity is Christ. That, that's the question of the teacher today. What is maturity? Maturity is Christ. Maturity is not us being better than culture because culture is not reliable. Maturity is not us being better than someone else because comparison is also faulty. Maturity is Christ. That's what maturity is. And, and the ramifications of this are very powerful because you can be a very effective religious person. You can be, have high participation in the church. You could lead a church. You could be very effective in, in skills that do well in a congregation and still be immature. In fact, a lot of our immaturity is very sophisticated. Uh, we have immaturity that's hard to recognize because we have the incorrect standard. We're continuing to compare ourselves to church culture, culture at large. We continue to compare ourselves to, to just people we've known in the present and in the past. And the whole time, Christ is saying, I have a different measurement. I have a different scale. I have something that's much better than comparison and much better than culture. Let's look again at 1 Corinthians, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 4.13, which is our theme verse today. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, here's a key phrase for today, growing into a mature man or a mature person is, is essentially what it's saying, with a stature or a height measured by Christ's fullness. So it is that we have to know who Christ is and understand Christ's personality and understand Jesus's teachings in order for him to be our measurement and our measure. Do we have that in the New Living Translation? Now look at this, this will make it a little more clear. 
This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That is what maturity is. Maturity is Christ. Maturity is Jesus. And today I want, I want to encourage you on this day to make sure you're measuring yourself to the correct standard. Make sure that we're all together seeking to know Christ and to be like Christ. And we're not caught up in something different or something less than what he wants. Would you stand with me today? As we go to closing, I, I want us to spend these last few minutes we have together in a, in a mode of prayer, in an attitude of prayer. I want to give you some space today to seek the Lord. Uh, I, I believe the Lord is, is calling us, and I, I don't know how long it'll be, but in the next week to two, two Sundays together, maybe further, to really hone in on the subject of maturity. You know, the enemy wants us to be superficial. The enemy wants us to be immature. The enemy wants us to delay maturity. The enemy wants us to um, assign maturity to somebody else. But listen, God is having you hear these messages and this message in particular today to let you know that maturity is for you, for every person. Spiritual maturity is for you. And that definition of maturity is Christ. It's Jesus. He is the one that's our standard so today, what I want us to do is I want us to have a chance to respond in several different ways. Here to the front, at your right, to your left is communion. I won't give further instruction about communion, but if you want to use that today, both here at the front and then in the back behind the middle section, you can take communion as an individual or you can take communion with friends or family members and use that as a chance to focus on Christ. I want to ask that our pastors and prayer partners would go to that back wall because if you have a specific prayer need in your life today. Someone is here to pray with you. It doesn't necessarily have to directly relate to this message, but it could be something that uh, you just need God to touch you. You need someone to agree with you. Our prayer partners are available. And you may want to use these steps as a chance to seek the Lord. You may want to be seated again in your seat. Whatever this case is, for about three or four minutes, we're just going to spend time with the Lord, take communion, pray, with each other or pray individually and then I'll be back in just a couple couple of minutes to, to dismiss us. The table of the Lord is now open. Let's seek him together.